Well, good evening, Old Bible Church Ottawa, and I don't know about you, that was a pretty overwhelming time of praise. Welcome back. Amen? Praise the Lord. <laughs> praise the Lord for His work. So beautiful. The church, so glorious, so unstoppable. Let's open up our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 to 25. I'm so excited, so expectant to launch into this new sermon series that will take us through the rest of the fall, and it's entitled, Jesus Over the Church. Jesus Over the Church, Living in Uncommon Community. And here's the truth that we've been unpacking since the start of the ministry here, and it is this, that Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Amen? Jesus Christ is to be preeminent in his church. Amen? And he is the head of this church, Hope Bible Church, Ottawa. And here's what he says, our head of the church. He says this, and you'll see it on the screen, the big idea for our series. If you are a Christian, if you are a true, born-again follower of Jesus Christ, you are called to live in uncommon community. If you are a true Christian, you are called to live in uncommon community, as am I. This is the big idea for this series. Now, that's a big call that Christ gives us through his word that we're going to be unpacking over the next two and a half months. Lord willing, cannot wait. But let's get some clarity. We need some foundation on what exactly Jesus means when he calls us to live in an uncommon community. You ready for some clarity? You ready to go? Let's get after it. You'll see it on the screen. An uncommon community is this. God's people living out God's word together by God's spirit for God's glory. I'll say it again. Uncommon community is God's people living out God's word together. Now, as you're writing that down, we're going to be unpacking that definition over the next two and a half months. Circle the word together. You cannot live in an uncommon community in isolation. Together, by God's spirit, we're not white knuckling this. We can do nothing apart from Jesus for God's glory. In fact, all of the one another's of the Bible, the 40 so one another's in the New Testament and the 100 or so commands that go along with those 40 one another's are summed up in that definition. And it's what we're going to unpack this fall by the grace of God. And this, did you know, dealing with living in an uncommon community is a big deal to Jesus. And if it matters to him, loved ones, as his body, it must matter to us. In fact, I love how author, blogger, pastor Tim Challies put this when speaking of uncommon community. He said, by studying redemptive history, we come to see that the church, loved ones, we need to be reminded of this today, the church is not something God invented because all of his other plans had failed. The church is not God's plan B. It's not his plan C, D, F, or G. The church is God's plan A. Rather, the church was the culmination of all God's plans for his children. The church, when done the way God intends, in uncommon community, get this, ready, ready? Gives us just a taste 
of the perfect community we will experience in paradise. It's worth it. It's what we're called to and why we are called to it. If I could sum up what Chally says there, he says the church is to be the picture of the community of heaven on earth. Beautiful. Beautiful. The church is to be the picture of the community of heaven on earth. That brings us to a problem, doesn't it? Even hearing me say that, your mind is probably going to a few issues. The problem is this, and we see it all around us. We don't, you ever notice this? We don't naturally move towards living in uncommon community, do we? In fact, it's called uncommon for a reason, because it's not common, right? Why? Why? Well, there's two reasons that we're, we're going to look at right off the top today. Number one is it's not easy to live in uncommon community. It's not easy. And guess what, loved ones? It's not convenient. Living in uncommon community is not comfortable. It's not comfortable. And our flesh, as a result, fights against it. And I want to be, be very clear on something. It's very important we understand this, that the church was not designed by God to be a place where the desires of your flesh and mine are comfy. I'll say it again. The church was not designed by God to be a place where the desires of your flesh or mine are comfortable. You say you got something to back that up? Yeah, you bet I do. Let's go to Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. You'll see it on the screen. Galatians 5, watch this, watch this. Remember, uncommon community is lived by God's Spirit. Well, what does the Holy Spirit have to do with the flesh? Here it is. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. That's why it's not comfortable. Your flesh, mine, are against this work of the Spirit. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. See, we must understand, Hope Ottawa, that the church is not designed by God to gratify our pride, but to grow our humility. The church is not designed by God to gratify our selfishness, but to grow our generosity, just like Christ. The church is not designed by God to gratify our status, but to grow in service, just like Jesus. The church is not designed by God to gratify our comfort, but rather grow us in sacrifice, just like Jesus. You starting to get that? Okay, you and I do just like Jesus after the next one. Okay, ready? The church is not designed by God to gratify your way, you getting your way, but to rather grow us in Christ's way. Ready? One, two, three, go. Just like Jesus. The church is not designed by God to gratify your image, your mantle, your glory, but to grow us in Christ's image. The church is not designed by God for these things. But... I also want to say here, there's a second reason why uncommon community is so hard. Maybe some of us in this very room, and I know it personally from my conversations with you, maybe some of you have um, been hurt by the church in the past. 
by those that you were called to love and were called to love you, maybe by some of your leaders in the past, past experiences you've had in the church, and that has led you to fear of, of living this way as Christ calls us to, or mistrust in the church, or holding on to unforgiveness. And I want to say something to you. I want to speak to you directly, if that's you tonight. On behalf of our elder board and as your senior pastor, it's not the way it's meant to be. And I am praying for you specifically over this series that the Lord Jesus Christ would do such a work to grow your love for him and for his church again because it's his plan for us. I am praying for you. And if you're here and you're like, okay, this church gets it right. Hey, can I, can I just speak on behalf of our beautiful church family? Um, Hope Ottawa is not a perfect church. It's not a perfect church. Chances are, if you're here long enough, someone will rub you the wrong way. Someone may even sin against you. And here, here's the reality. We're not excusing this. We don't sweep sin under the rug. We don't make excuses for it. Um, we call, as Jesus calls us, we call sinners to repent, to forgive. We call to reconcile, and we're called to unity. But as your senior pastor, on behalf of our elder board, I want to say this. This is what we are committed to growing into, an uncommon community, because this is what Jesus calls us to. And we will instruct and exhort and call you and us to the same, because it's what he promises to glorify his self through. He's committed to growing it in us, and he promises to reveal his glory and build his kingdom through it. And I want you to look around here at our culture today. You see a danger, don't you? You see a danger towards neglecting the uncommon community that Christ calls us to. What's that? Division. It's pretty prevalent today, isn't it? Division in the church, and that allows deception in the church. False teaching plaguing the church today. And that breeds isolation we don't want, there's that fear factor of being, well, what if people find out what I've done and there's going to be judgment and pointing fingers? What does that do? It breeds isolation. And isolation is the enemy's playground. Isolation is the enemy's playground in our minds and in our hearts. And what does it result in? Failing to press into an uncommon community leads to a love of Christ and his church that is growing cold. It leads to apathy and complacency in our faith towards Jesus and his church. And we see it all over the place today. But can I, want, can I encourage you with this? Hope Ottawa. Ready? Ready? Doesn't have to be this way. Everyone say that together. Doesn't have to be this way. Doesn't have to be this way. He who in us is in us. Jesus Christ is greater than he who is in the world. Amen? And Jesus has given us all that we need for life and for godliness. To live in this uncommon community together. Every tribe, every tongue, every race, every age, every socioeconomic status. He has given us all we need to live in this uncommon community. To be the picture of the community of heaven in this world that is desperately wanting to see it. He's given us all we need for it. 
to persevere and endure no matter what comes against us. And here's the big idea for our text today. It's right here. Ready? You see it on the screen. Jesus strengthens each believer to persevere in faith through uncommon community. Jesus strengthens each believer, each man, each woman to persevere in faith through uncommon community. What does it do? It fuels an uncommon endurance. All right, you fired up for this? And here in our text today, we're going to see two essential truths that we must believe and increasingly live out in his power, loved ones. If we are to hold fast to Jesus and persevere in his power in uncommon community with an uncommon endurance, no matter what comes against us, let's stand to honor the authority of God's word. Hebrews chapter 10, let's read this out loud together. Love seeing your Bibles open. Hebrews 10, verses 23 to 25. Let's read this together. Let's go. And let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Hear the word of the Lord, all God's people said, amen. Amen. Before you sit down, let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, this is your church. We are your church. You are the head. You are preeminent. Stay that way, please. Don't let us go. Don't let us drift. You call us to live in an uncommon community, and this series, as we launch into it, will be refreshing for some. It will be challenging for all. It will force some to confront fear and hurt and pain and to trust you with that and cast that on you for your healing, your redemption. Yes, Lord. Lord, your church, your church is hurting today. All across this world, your church is divided. What will you do for your great name? What will you do for your great name in this church, in every church that will herald your word faithfully? What will you do? Lord, revive your church today. Revive your church. Revive your church the way it was meant to be, the community of heaven on earth. Revive us, grip us, convict us. Pray for tears of joy and repentance and desperation. God, you will always draw near to the desperate. Find us desperate right now, hungry, humble, ready to receive. Give us ears to hear what you would say to your church. Be with my mouth, guard it from error. Oh God, Holy Spirit, your understanding, your unction and utterance I need. Say what you desire to say. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated, church. Hebrews chapter 10, 23 to 25. The first thing we see right here is this. Uncommon community fuels an uncommon endurance. But we must hold fast our confession and don't waver. Right here, foundation of all uncommon community, right here. Hold fast to our confession and don't waver. See, our hope in Jesus fuels perseverance in Jesus. Will you hold fast to him individually and us as a church? Let's get our context. Context is key, right? Let's go. 70 AD, first century. We don't know the author of Hebrews, but we know that the author is writing to the church of Hebrew 
or Jewish Christians. But we don't know where this church is located. We have some ideas, but we don't know where it's located. But what we do know is this. This church is in danger. Persecution is increasing and intensifying from the non-believing Jews coming after them. And this church here is made up of young believers who were fearful, increasingly fearful, and they were weary at this persecution. And they were anxious. Any of us feeling weary here today? Anyone go through some anxiety this past week? You think about what's ahead. You think about what's going on. Anyone, anyone seem fearful? This is who he's writing to. Be encouraged. We're not alone. And they're tempted to cast aside their identification with Jesus and his church and to not persevere and endure in their faith in following him. But instead, here's what they're tempted to do. This persecution from the Jews is rising and they are tempted as a result to go back to the Old Testament sacrificial system and the Old Testament rituals of the Jews to save them. We got to keep certain days of the week as holy. We have to we have to follow certain dietary laws. We have to make certain sacrifices. This is what they're tempted to do, to ditch Jesus and just ease the persecution by going back to what will calm it for a while. Anyone tempted with that today? Fit in. And the purpose of this book, it's been such a gift to me as I study it. The writer writes to encourage them and to give them confidence to hold fast Hold fast to Jesus in faith and to persevere and not set their hope. Hear this today, loved ones. Not set their hope in anyone or anything else that is ultimately powerless to deliver them. Beloved, here's the word, hold fast today. You hold fast to the confession of our hope. Do not turn from Jesus Christ and set your hope in other things, no matter how much you may attempt to do so with vaccines and government decisions and all these things. Listen, you hold fast to Jesus. Amen? You hold fast to the confession of our hope. You say, where are you getting that from? Good question. Let's go to the text. 23, you like that one, huh? Sweet. All right. 23, look at the writer says. He says, let us. It's written to the community. It's not like, well, the pastor will hold on to it, so we'll be good. Let us, individually and corporately, hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Without wavering. You say, why? Here's our hope. For he who promised, that is Jesus Christ, is faithful. Amen? Let us hold fast without wavering, for Jesus Christ is faithful. Faithful. See, the writer tells them right here, circle the term hold fast in your Bible. Go ahead, you have permission to mark up your Bible. Hold fast, circle that term. It means to keep secure. Keep it secure. Grip it. Don't let it go. The truth of the gospel. Stand firm and persevere by faith in the confession they've made of Jesus Christ. You say, what's the confession? His person Confessing that he is the son of God. Confessing that he came to earth as fully God and fully man. And then, and then holding fast to the confession of his work as the only Messiah, eternal, uncreated one. He came to earth and lived a perfect life for 33 years. 
He lived a perfect life, not sinning once, tempted in every... Be encouraged today. Hold fast to this confession. Jesus Christ tempted in every way you and I are or ever will be and yet did not sin. Amen? Don't believe me? Just check out Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. Tempted in every way and yet did not sin. He lived a perfect life and went to the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. He took on the wrath of God. So that you and I, if we repent of our sin and confess him as the Lord and Savior, we would have eternal life in him, amen? And be justified before almighty God because our sin separates us from a holy God and we could never pay that on our own. Hold fast to that confession. Don't run and set your hope in these other things to deliver you. It can't. There is only one name given among men by which we must be saved, and that is the name of Jesus Christ, amen? Hold fast to the confession, hope. That's our hope, Hold fast, and he who made the promise is faithful. What's the promise? The promise of eternal life, and he will sustain all true believers to the end. Amen? He will sustain all true believers to the end. And as they stand firm and they don't waver, the word waver there in the text means to wobble. You ever been on that? I was at the park with my kids recently. I had this thing called, I don't know, some version of a teeter-totter, but it didn't sit well with me, literally. I'm sitting on there doing this, and my kids are like, ha, 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 and I'm just like almost falling off. And I'm thinking of wobble, 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 wobble. That's what he's talking about. Don't waver. Don't wobble. Well, yeah, there's Jesus, but that looks really tempting. Everyone's going there, and that seems to be the popular knowledge of the day. Don't wobble. Don't waver. Don't waver in faith in his word. His word will prove true. His promises will be fulfilled. And remember that he is faithful to fulfill every one of his 3,000 plus promises. 3,000 plus. And it fuels, what does this do? As we hold fast the confession. It fuels a joyful, confident, expectant hope in them for our eternal life and salvation and security in him. Now, notice where it says there in the text. Go back to the text. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. Circle the word hope. I love this. This isn't like, gee, I hope the senators win tomorrow night. You really don't want to set your hope in that. Right? Go sends. Go sends. But still, you don't want to set your hope in that. It's not like, gee, I hope they win, or gee, I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow. No, no, no. What's the hope mean here? It means a hope that is, a hope in what is sure. A hope in what is sure. Awesome. A hope in what is sure. A hope without wavering. Their hope in Jesus is to fuel their perseverance in Jesus, as it is yours and mine today. Now let's live in the text. Let's just get the magnitude of this statement. Because Jesus Christ, make no mistake, is the foundation of all uncommon community. The gospel is the foundation of all uncommon community. You remove the authority of God's word out, you remove an uncommon community. The foundation crumbles, what will the righteous do, the psalmist says. Watch this. Here's what the writer says. Loved ones, I know persecution is hard. I know the temptations are many. Many many of you, as I look out over your precious faces today, I don't know what all you're being tempted with. I know the temptations are many, though. They are in my life. He says, I know you're feeling, hey, Hebrews, I know you're feeling anxious right now. I know you're feeling weary right now. I know you're feeling fearful. Hey, 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 I know it may seem to you like running away is the easier thing to do. 
Just back out of the community of faith. It's just easier when I don't have to let anybody in. It's just easier to avoid the persecution, not identify with the church. It's just easier to kind of make my Christian faith a solo mission. I can put my guard up. He says, I know the temptation's real. And you may seem like it's an easier thing. I know the battle of unbelief is hard. And I know you're tempted to waver and set your hope in other things. Because you don't know. You hear that Jesus is faithful. You read it. You read that his word will prove true all the time. You read that he will fulfill his promises. But do you really believe it? Do you really believe it? He says, hold fast your confession. Hold fast. All else you would set your hope in is futile, but Jesus is faithful. Say this with me. Everything else is futile. Go ahead. Go. Everything else is futile, but Jesus is faithful. Nothing else, no one else can hold your hope or mine. Jesus is faithful. He is 100% trust. Hear this. Someone needs to hear this today. You're struggling right now. Jesus is 100% faithful. 100% faithful, trustworthy, and reliable at all times. You say, you don't know my situation. I don't need to. Jesus does. He's 100% trustworthy and reliable at all times in all things. And here's the other thing you can bank on. His word will prove true in your situation 100% of the time. He's the Lord over all, the sovereign king. His promises will be fulfilled. His love for you and I will be steadfast. You may say, well, I've done so much. I've sinned against him. I, I don't know if he can. His love for you is steadfast. Hold fast. Hold fast. Praise the Lord that God's children, his love for them is not based on our performance. Talk about a radical shift from the world today, huh? The love of Jesus Christ is steadfast. His goodness will be displayed in that situation. He will protect and defend you and his church, and he cannot be stopped. The writer says, hold fast your confession. And I just thought of, this got me thinking of the last 19 months that we've been needing to have our services online for. And what you're seeing right here the gathering of the saints, it makes no sense what's happening here on paper. It just doesn't make sense. After 19 months, why can we just come together and sing like that? And what a beautiful sound that is. It makes no sense as to why we keep to come together other than the gospel is true. And Jesus will build his church. See, our hope in Jesus fuels our perseverance in Jesus. Will you hold fast to him? Will you? And you're here and you've never believed in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Hey, 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 will you set your hope in him alone and not this world? Stop running to the world. It can't hold your hope. It cannot sustain it. And will you repent of your sin and believe in him and make the confession that he is the Lord and Savior over all and there is no other? And we cannot be saved apart from him because here's why. Listen, only Jesus only Jesus can give you the power to persevere in faith over fear. That's it. Only Jesus can give you the power to persevere with peace over anxiety. Only Jesus can give you the power to persevere in truth over doubt. 
Only Jesus can give you the power to persevere with healing over your hurt and with hope over your confession. Man, it's so common to, so common to waver in our hope today. Hold fast. And this is why we are committed as a church, and I pray individually, increasingly, we are committed to upholding the authority of God's word because without it, we have no hope. Without it, we have no hope. This is why we are committed to the centrality of the gospel in each part of this church, whether it be teaching in classes, whether it be Discover Hope Step 2 and 1, and whether it be prayer nights, whether it be preaching on Sundays or in our small groups, we're committed to the centrality of the gospel. Why? Because Jesus is the foundation for all uncommon community and all the uncommon endurance that flows from it. And you'll see it on the screen right here. It says this, without holding fast to Jesus... It's not a matter of if we will drift or waver, but when. The fear will seem too much if we don't hold fast to Jesus. The division will seem too great. The despair will seem too deep. The hurt will seem too painful. The unforgiveness and disappointment will seem too hard to overcome. The pandemic will seem too long. Beloved, can I ask you this question? Who or what are you setting your hope in today and holding fast to today that isn't Jesus? And is hindering you from living in the uncommon community with an uncommon endurance that Jesus promises you? Hey, and here's his call to us from the authority of his word, repent. There's never condemnation on the other side of repentance. There's only comfort. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Repent right now. Just put your pen down, close your eyes, and just repent. Say, Lord Jesus, I just repent of setting my hope in. What is it? What is it? Repent and return to him and live in the unshakable hope that you have in him. And this is so hard. It's so hard to hold on to hope. So here's a prayer that I find really helpful, and I would encourage you with, Lord, I believe, I know that what you're saying right here is true, but help my unbelief. I'm so tempted to waver. I'm so tempted to look to other things. Help my unbelief. See, uncommon community fuels uncommon endurance. And we must hold fast our confession And from this last point today, ready? We must stir up with affection. Hold fast our confession and stir up from the overflow of the gospel in our lives. Stir up with affection and do not forsake it. Do not forsake it. Perseverance. Remember this. We tend in this individualized culture and society. It's like you would be your self-made man or woman and you can do it and you can all this. Here's the truth of God's word that we're about to see. Perseverance is a community effort. Amen? Perseverance in the faith is a community effort. Are you stirring others up? Are you stirring others up? Let's read the text. Verse 24 to 25. Writer goes on to say, and let us consider, based on holding fast to that confession, we're not wavering in it, from the overflow of Christ's power at work in us, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. That's a good word for today. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day 
drawing near. See what he does there? After calling the church individually and corporately to hold fast to their confession of Christ and the truth of his word, if they are to persevere, look what the author does now. The author shifts. He makes a shift to focusing on the church community's role and what they are commanded to do by Jesus Christ, their head, what they're commanded to do corporately in helping one another persevere faithfully to the end. Let's be clear on something. Perseverance is a community effort. Perseverance is a community effort. And the command, notice the command here. Notice what we're commanded to do. First, to consider how to stir up one another. Now that word consider there, circle that. In the original text, it means to, ready? Be attentive to it. Fix your eyes upon it. Fix your mind upon how to, notice it was totally radical from society. Society says, fix your mind and your attitude on yourself. Put your eyes on yourself. What does Jesus command in uncommon community? Fix your eyes on others. Fix your eyes on Christ and fix your eyes and focus your mind. Be thinking intentionally about how to do what? Stir up one another. Wow. How often do we consider this and fix our mind and eyes on this truth? Or is it all right here? Fix your eyes on how to stir one another up. Get your eyes, get your mind off self, and put them on your brothers and sisters in Christ around you. No wonder uncommon community is so uncommon. Let me ask you a question. This just begs the question, who is your mind or who are your eyes focused on right now? Stirring up. The word stir up there, the phrase, sorry, the phrase there, it means to, I was so challenged by this. In the original text, the, words, the phrase stir up means to provoke one another. Lots of provoking going on in the world today. Wouldn't you say? How much of it is this? Provoke or stimulate one another. The one another phrase is, there's at least, as I said, 40 passages in the New Testament. And each of these one another statements, uh, which give over 100 commands... They describe how we as believers are to live in an uncommon community with one another. And right here we see four ways. Get your pens ready, loved ones. Here we go. Right from God's word. Get your pens ready. We see four ways we are to consider or fix our gaze on how to provoke one another and stir one another up to persevere in our faith. Ready? First thing we see is this. Right from the text, verse 24, we stir up one another to love and good works. Stir up one another to love and good works. Let's read it. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Pretty clear, isn't it? It's right out of the text. Praise the Lord. I, want, I love it. When, I want you to be able to walk home from a sermon and be like, I could have got that. Yeah, that's the idea. All right? Stir up one another to love and good works. Now, let's unpack this a little bit here. This is crucial. The Greek word for love there means agape. Ever heard it before? Agape love. And what does that mean? Doing what God prefers in your thoughts, in your speech, and in your actions towards one another. Hey, hey, here's the challenge. 
Notice what it doesn't say. Let us consider how to stir one another up in love and good works unless that person's not vaccinated. Everyone say, I won't find it there. Notice what the text doesn't say. Stir one another up to love and good works unless they're a different skin color. Say, I'm not going to find it there. Stir one another up to love and good works unless the person's under four feet tall. You won't find it. It's just so clear. Stir one another up to love and good works unless they don't agree with the same government decisions that you do. See, believers, hear the word of the Lord, hope. Believers are called to stir one another up to love through good works. What are these good works? The good works are God works. Spirit in empowered God works of benevolence and service to one another and provoke. I just love that word. It's edgy, eh? It just feels kind of edgy. Like provoke one another to do the same to others. As, as we love each other, as I love this person, they're like, man, I'm fired up. I want to go and provoke my brother or sister to love and good works. I want to do this. That's a spirit-empowered gospel work. That's what God does. Provoke one another to do the same to others through acts of generosity, encouragement, speaking the truth in love, and serving. And let's be crystal clear on verse 24. You'll see it on the screen. We are called to stir one another up and not tear one another down. I'll say it again. We are called, you and I, as the body of Christ are called to stir one another up and not tear one another down. How different would our relationships look if we took this truth to heart and said, Lord Jesus, do this work in me first. Start with me. I'm, not, I'm, I'm just done pointing the finger at that person. I'm turning it this way and say, start with me because I'm prone to tear down through gossip. I'm prone to tear down through slander. I'm prone to tear down through blaming and pointing fingers and complaining and grumbling. I'm prone to do that. And tear down the church that you are building. Because when I tear down, <laughs> when I slander and gossip my brother and sister in Christ or blame or complain about them, I'm pointing the finger at you, Lord. Think about this. How different would the big C church look if instead of social media bombarding one another with accusations and insults, there was a note that said, we love you and are praying for you. You know, by God's grace, there's another church in our... There's another... Uh, I had this opportunity. There's another church in our city that's struggling right now and hurting. They lost their pastor. And I just... I was reading this. I'm like, man. I reached out to their elders. I said, I just want you to know that our elders at Hope Ottawa, we are praying for you. We love you. And if there's anything you need, 
You let us know. And that elder board emailed back and said, Pastor Ray, like, this means so much to us. Thank you for your care, your concern. It wasn't, well, if you just change a few things and, and do that, then we'll come along. To... Come on. We're called to love one another, build one another up, stir up one another, provoke and not tear one another down. And as believers, as we see brothers and sisters in Christ doing these things to others, and they experience the love of God, they experience the love of God expressed towards themselves. Guess what it does? It motivates them. It stirs them up to want to do that with others. Welcome to the community of heaven. Distinction. And I don't know about you, but when I see others living this way and the impact God has on the life and on the church that is experiencing it, man, it fires me up to want to do the same, doesn't you? We see it's like too much, for too much of this past season, the church has been on defense. God calls his church to go on offense. Amen? Stir up one another. Don't just sit back. Stir up one another. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. You do not need to be afraid, loved ones. Stir up. Go on the offense. Instead of offending each other, go on the offense of stirring up to love and good works. I love this. What does this look like? Okay. True story, real time. At our last prayer night, our last prayer night, I was leaving the building and there was literally a love and grace-filled argument going on about who was going to let who go home so they could lock the building up. No, 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 you go home. They all stay. You go take your wife for a cup. No, 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 no. You go home to your kids. You did. No, 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 no. Listen, you take your wife for a date and you did. Like it was literally gone. Those are the kinds of arguments you want to hear. The stirring up love one another. And I'm just, I'm hearing this and I'm looking at the love between these two brothers and the Lord. And I'm like, man, Lord, that's gospel given. There's no selfishness there. It's not all do the bare minimum and bail. No, no, no. And I, and I hear of the generosity of the church. I'm just over these last 19 months, I want to encourage you, Hope. I just hear of people lending their time and their, their strengths to help people move and prepare meals for new babies and, and families that need help and surgeries. And it's awesome because it's a gospel work. This is stirring up one another. So blessed that so many of you pour yourselves out during the day to serve one another and then you come and serve at church on Saturday night. That's awesome. Only God can do that. It's not pointed to you. It's pointing to him. Stirring up, provoking, using your talents, using your, your gifts. I just turned, as I was coming up here, I turned around to the guy who oversees all of our website. I'm like, all these hours we've put together on this thing, meetings back and forth. I turned to him, I said, it's worth it. It's worth it. And he says, you bet. Bet it is. Using the talents and the, and the treasures, supporting financially the church, thank you. Even amidst all the economic uncertainty, thank you, Hope Ottawa, for the gospel-driven generosity of this church. People attentive to needs, and, and I love this, just hearing, I'll phone someone, I'll phone someone and say, how you doing? Just checking in on you, how you doing? And they're like, yeah, so-and-so called me. They sent me this, they sent me this note, they sent me this text, man, did it ever encourage me? Stir it up. Yes, Lord. Hey, question, are you stirring others up? Are you fixing your attention on this, or are we fixed on self or other things? 
All right, first thing we see, we're called to stir one another up in love and good works. Secondly, right here, we're called to stir one another up in community. Just read verse 25. Let's go to 24 because it's so good. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Here it is. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. See what it says right there? We are, not, we are called to not neglect. The word neglect there, circle that. It means to forsake or leave behind or abandon. Don't leave the church behind. Don't abandon the gathering of the church together in the assembly of the church as is the habit of some. We see it. They were tempted with it in the first century. And how much more are we tempted with it today in the 21st century? It doesn't look the same. We need to wear masks now. We need to have social distance. Do not forsake the gathering of the saints. And yes, for a time we had to, we were limited in being able to do this and needed to move online, but now things are opening up to be able to come together. Do not forsake it. Just hear the word of the Lord straight from the text. It's so clear you can't twist this any other way. Just hear the word of the Lord. Do not, hey, hey, I loved hearing as leaders we were praying before the service in the back. And I loved hearing this prayer. Lord, help us to not to take the church for granted. That we get to gather and hear each other sing and just pray for one another and fellowship and it fires you up. It's like, come on. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Fires you up. It's not like, well, I'm going to listen to a sermon again. And, like it says, like, come on. Yeah, let's go, church. Here it is. We fire it up in community. We fire it up in community. We don't forsake one another. We gather as the church. Listen, listen. The gathering as the church. Can I just put it plainly right from verse 25? The gathering of the church should be the reason we miss everything else. That's not a popular notion in the world today. Just hear the word of the Lord. The gathering of the saints coming together as the church should be the reason we miss everything else. Gathering in services like this. Don't miss gathering in your small group. Don't miss. We've got step one coming tomorrow. If you're not signed up for step one, you want to get plugged in, sign up. Go to our website like right now. Well, after the sermon. So cool. All right? Seriously, do that. Sign up. Do not forsake the prayer night coming up on Wednesday. Don't stop gathering together. If It's the fuel the furnace of encouragement do not forsake it see but we reverse it so easily now we say everything else is the reason for forsaking going to church gathering is the church don't we we get this backwards jobs my job's the reason i can forsake it uh sports teams my kids sports tournaments hobbies I just, you know, feel like going to that birthday party today. This is going to miss, miss gathering. Vacation. Hey, I'm all for vacations. They're good. They're refueling. They're refreshing. Don't forsake gathering on your vacation. Find a gospel preaching church to go to. Don't stop meeting together, loved ones. It's the furnace. It's the furnace. And hey, parents, I want to give a special word to you. Parents with kids here right now. It is not lost on me for a second as I'm preparing these messages that it's work for you to bring your kids to church. 
Love you. Love you, love you. Yeah, that's right. I'm talking to you, sweetie. Here's the thing. It is not lost on me that it is a lot of work for you to bring your kids to church. Hey, but here's what I'm going to, here's what I'm going to encourage you with. It's worth it. It's worth it. Don't put a limit on the living and active word of God in the life of your child. It is worth it. Hey, kids, kids, eyes up here. Where's my Devin? There he is. Come on. Listen, listen. Eyes up here. If you are here with your parents, kids, or whoever brought you, here's what I want you. Oh, good. Just in time. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at your parents and say, thank you for bringing me to the gathering of the church. Go. Thank you for bringing me to church. That's what I'm talking about, loved ones. Yes, parents, we love you, and we're standing with you. Kids, we love you. We are standing with you. See, why is this so important that we are commanded this? Because corporate worship is an absolutely essential and vital part of spiritual life. You cannot, notice the truth, you can't one another if you're not in community. It's impossible. You can't one another, I can't one another, if I'm not in community. Gathering together is the furnace of encouragement towards perseverance, and it's the means, the chosen means, through which Jesus Christ feeds, protects, and assures his people of the hope they have in him. And there's so much power when the church comes together. There's so much power when the church gathers in services, in small groups, in prayer nights, in serving together, in communion, with baptisms. Lord willing, a couple weeks, we're going to have a baptism service. Oh, Lord. Yes, God. Singing, preaching. And yes, it's looked different the last 19 months, but don't forsake it now. It's opening up. Let's go. All right. What next steps do you need to take to not forsake meeting together? Any loved ones, people watching online right now on the live stream, I just want to talk to you for a second. Love you so much. I want you to seriously pray. Take it to the Lord and say, Lord, what do we need to do to get there next Saturday? What's the next step? Maybe for some of us, it's coming to the prayer night on Wednesday. Maybe for some of us, it's canceling other plans so we can gather as the church or finding a gospel preaching church for where you're headed. Whatever it is, what is your next step? All right. Here we go. Stirring one another up in love and good works. Number two, in community. Number three, here it is, through encouragement. Through encouragement. Look at verse 25 again. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. Okay, what do we do when we get together? But encouraging one another. The word encouragement there means to exhort others with the goal. Here's the goal of encouragement. Ready? It's not to give just some little flattery, feel-good, puffy comment. Listen, it's to strengthen one another in their faith. Through comfort, the comforting word, through correction from God's word for a brother or sister walking in sin, through counsel with wisdom of God through his word, and with thankfulness. Here's what it means from last week, right? Speaking the truth in love. You say, what does it look like? Ephesians 4.29, so good. You'll see it on the screen. It says this, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. There's the uncommon community. How much corrupting talk is coming out of mouths today? It's not building anyone up. It's tearing down. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up. What's that encouragement? Good for building up as fits the occasion. We're not given to flattery and be like, you're the greatest. No, don't do that. Come on. As fits the occasion. Wow, the spirit of God at work in you. 
I'm thankful for you. I am praying for you. Love you that it may, look at this, give grace, not hurt, not defilement, not negativity, not cynicism. Give grace to those who hear. There's the encouragement of the uncommon community. It's called uncommon speech. Question, are you attentive to going out of your way and taking initiative to encourage those around you through God's word? Are you fixed on that? How, who can I, before I leave, before I just blitz out of here tonight, who can I purposely go to and encourage through God's word? Tonight, even someone I've never met before, go to them. Welcome one another as Christ welcomes us, Romans 15 says. Who can I be intentional with right now? Sending that text, making that call, having that conversation, sending the email. Who can I be it? Are we taking the initiative to encourage through God's word or are we criticizing, complaining, ignoring, or grumbling? Hey, can I just encourage you with this? I got this text the other day from a guy in our church. He just said, I just want you to know we're praying for you and I'm thankful for you. You know what? It reminded me. Do not ever assume, loved ones, that anyone is beyond the need for encouragement that day. There's no one in this room right now that's kind of hit their encouragement quota. Do not ever assume that anyone you see around you, as packaged as they try to make themselves to be, is beyond the need for gospel encouragement. That was just like a fountain of fresh water on my soul. And I just love it. Send the text. Send the email. Make the call. Talk to someone. Pray with them and say, you, I just love hearing this when they say, you have no idea how much I needed that today. Why do we do this? Because it fuels perseverance. Let's go. Keep going. Our God is faithful. And it reminds us we're in this together. It's really hard to be divided in a gospel culture of encouragement, isn't it? It's really hard. You actually have to work really hard at being divided in a gospel culture of encouragement. So here's the application for this. I want you to pray, and then I want you to reach out to five of your brothers and sisters in Christ this week. Don't flatter them. Just as fits the occasion, just say, I'm really thankful for you for, what is it? Just flood it with gospel encouragement, this whole church. Five, this week. There's the challenge. Do it. Set a time each day to send that note of encouragement so you don't forget. Put it on your phone, in your calendar, to your brothers and sisters in Christ. All right, lastly is this. How do we do this? With urgency. With urgency. Look at 25. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. Oh, here it comes. And all the more. As you see the day, notice the capital D on day, day drawing near. All the more, that phrase means this, ready? So much more, as much as possible, do this all the more. You say, how much do I do this? As much as possible, all the more, with increasing urgency. Why? Why do we not forsake meeting together? Why do we intentionally fix our eyes on how to encourage one another up? Why? Because the day capital D day, Jesus is returning, is ever drawing near. And you know what? I used to be a history teacher, and I was reminded of that this week. And so guess what? You ready for a history lesson? Cool, cool, cool. Eyes up here. Ready? Did you know now, loved ones, that we are now the closest we've ever been in human history to the return of Jesus? How's that for your history lesson, huh? Come on. That's right. That's right. Kids, take that into your classrooms. Hey, hey. 
Okay, that's good. And so here's the reality. It's like, it's like seriously, take that into your history classes, guys. We're now the closest we've ever been to the return of Jesus Christ, even more so than when we started the sermon. And even more so than that moment. Does that just like fire you up? That gives you that eternal perspective. There is an urgency. This is why we don't forsake it. So much more. And an uncommon community living with an uncommon endurance will hold fast to their confession of the gospel and live with increasing urgency and not apathy, not complacency. We need to be together if we're going to one another. With increasing urgency. Mike, there's a prayer night coming up. We got to go. What do we need to get out of the way to get there? Saturday service is coming up. Okay, when's registration open? Okay, let's go. Let's get after it. Oh, small groups tonight. All right, I'm just bailing on that and we're going in. Like, yes, loved ones. Don't forsake fellowshipping with each other, even outside of those times. Come together. Consider how to stir one another up in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? So that others may see the gospel at work. The love of God the grace of God, the joy of God, the unity of God. And they hear the gospel proclaimed and come to have salvation in Jesus too. Christian, brother or sister, you and I are called to live in uncommon community. What is it? We'll recap right here and we close out. It is God's people living out God's word together by God's spirit for God's glory. You in? Let's go. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, this is your word. It is our authority. Forgive us for our excuses. The church is your plan A to bring the hope of the gospel to the world. The church is your bride. Jesus, you gave your life for her and you call us to do the same holding fast, stirring up, and not forsaking. Lord, as we look at where the world is headed, it's so easy to become fearful, but yet we open your word together tonight and we are fired up in faith to press on. This is why we don't forsake it. So press your word into our hearts. I pray you'd find humility and hunger and teachability and joy to say, yes, Lord, do this work in me and build your church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Loved ones, will you stand and respond and worship with us?